This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Praise God, we've already just had a great time. We've already had plenty of church already, but I want to get into the Word of God today. And, you know, today, kind of a little bit of a different angle that, that we're coming from. The title today is this, A Year's Worth of Lessons. It's called A Year's Worth of Lessons. And as I was, I don't know, just kind of reflecting this week, I was I was looking at the calendar and realizing that this coming week marks the basically the one-year anniversary of when the whole world kind of started going real crazy and shutting down and stuff like that. And I, I was reflecting on a lot of the things that I've learned over the last year. And we're going to discuss a few of those today, but, you know, I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes you can look back at different years throughout your life and, and you remember, oh, that's the year that I, I learned this, and, and that's the year that this happened. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just flipping back through my own personal life. I'm like, man, 1990. That's the year I learned how to read. You know, my mom taught me how to read. She did a pretty good job. I can still read to this day. You know, 30-something years later, I can still read. Uh, 1992, uh, that's the year I learned how to ride a bike. These things stick out in your mind. 1993, the year I learned to stay away from yellow snow. Come on, somebody. So listen, there's different lessons. If you were, you know, I grew up in snow. But anyway, so there's different years you look back on, and you're like, man, that was, that was I learned some pretty important stuff that year. And so, as I'm looking back on the past 12 months, we've learned a lot of lessons, and really, what I'm going to discuss today is, is honestly, it's not things that we learned for the first time 12 months ago, but it's really uh, a lot of things that we already knew from the Word of God, but we just proved that, I don't know how to say it, we were right. We were right. The Bible was right, and those that have stuck to the Bible, those that have stuck to the Word of God, 12 months later, they're thriving. 12 months later, they're doing really good. And uh, I know I, I, I don't know how to say it, but I just know this much that Man, the last 12 months have been possibly the best of my entire life. And I know so many people in here that can say the exact same thing. Well, why is that? Is it because everything's been perfect? No, it's because God's word has been perfect. It hasn't failed. And the closer that I've gotten to it, the better my life has become. And I can say that without any fear of contradiction that God's word is true and and the last 12 months have done nothing but prove to me how right God is and how wrong everybody else is. Amen. And so we're going to look at uh, look at a few things today, a few lessons that we've learned over the past year or at least I'll say this way, some lessons and truths that have been reestablished and reaffirmed over the past 12 months. So I want to pray that I want to dig into this today and we got three points we're going to look at and I just know that hey you it's the word of God and we have proven that it works but let's pray Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much 
for a, a, a church that we can belong to, a, a place that we can come and worship you together in. And God, we are grateful that you have been so good to us, Lord, even though uh, it's not because we deserve it so much. It's just because you are so good. And God, I pray that as we open our Bibles today, you will speak to everybody here, everybody listening online. And God, I pray that you will challenge us, you will encourage us, and you will help us to be more and more like you in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for it, Lord. Can somebody say amen? All right. And so here we go. Three, I'm going to get three lessons that have been, I guess, reaffirmed or reestablished over the last year. And for some people, these lessons are things that they learned for the very first time. But the first thing is this. Number one, no doubt about it. God's word is true. God's word is true. How many of you knew that, you know, in 2019 already? All right. Amen. Well, listen up. There's a lot of people that have talked about, yeah, it's true. It's, it's powerful. But what's really great is when push comes to shove and when it's really actually challenged in your life, when you can stand up and say, you know what? I, no matter what it looks like out there, I choose to say God's word is true and I take this word over anybody else's word. And, and I am grateful for people to do that. But let's look at a couple of awesome scriptures here. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, and we're going to look at verse 8. Man, who's excited to get into the Word of God today? Woo! I, man, I love Sundays. You know, I, I, I absolutely love Sundays, and I just, I love being in God's house, man. Who wouldn't want to be around a beautiful group of people like this? Talking about a beautiful God. <laughs> Come on. Isaiah chapter 40, and verse 8, and this is so True, and we can see it more now than ever. Isaiah 40 and verse 8, it tells us, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. There's a lot of things that change. The grass changes, the flowers, they're beautiful for a bit, but they fade away. We're starting to see the buds and the blooms in the desert, and it's pretty for a little bit, but we know, hey, not too long from now, those will fade away, and that's okay. That's just the natural course of things. But in this world, there are things that we just think, well, man, that's a, that's going to be there forever, or this is going to be there, and this, and listen, Things change. We've learned this. We've seen this, that things in this world change, but there is something that doesn't change. The word of our Lord stands forever. It doesn't change. And I can say this. I'm really glad it doesn't change. People seem to, I don't know, people like change, some people don't like change, and people always want updates and the newest and the greatest, but I am so glad that the word of our God stands forever, and the word of God doesn't change, because if it changes then look at all the promises that we've been standing on. Promises for protection. Promises for peace. Promises for restoration. Promises for healing. If those things change, then we are in a world of trouble right now. But thank God, the word of our Lord stands forever and his word doesn't change. It doesn't need updated. It doesn't need a new version. It doesn't need iOS 12.5 or whatever the heck we're on right now. The word of the Lord stands 
forever. And that's the best news that I've heard in a really long time. God doesn't change. Hallelujah. Now let me show you here in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 24. Is anybody familiar with Matthew 24? It is an end times chapter where Jesus gives a wonderful prophecy, a wonderful description of what the end times are going to be like. And I mean, and, and so we've studied Matthew 24. We have studied that a lot over the past 12 months. And it's a chapter I've studied a lot, you know, for several years. But it was very interesting over the past year to see a lot of the things I've been studying about actually start to happen. And so Matthew 24 is a, a wonderful, wonderful chapter. But I want to show you something in the midst of all of the end times prophecy that Jesus is talking about right here in Matthew 24. He says something that we need to know right now for where we are in this time. Matthew 24 and verse 35 he says, heaven and earth will disappear. Who knows that? That the, it, heaven and earth, it's going to disappear. But my words will never disappear. Come on, somebody. Listen, when this earth is destroyed, when this thing is wiped out, the word of God is still going to be here. Even after life on this rock ceased to exist, the word of God is still going to be in existence. The word of God is still going to be here. His words will never disappear. I like the way the Passion Translation put it. It says this, the earth and sky will will wear out and fade away before one word I speak loses its power or fails to accomplish its purpose. The word of God, as Isaiah put it, he it goes out and it will not return unto him void. He said, my word always accomplishes what I send it out to do. Heaven and earth are going to die before the word of God fails in our lives. That's a powerful statement. This whole earth will disappear and fade away before the word of God fails us. And I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of people that say, well, I know it says that, but I I, the, I, I don't know. I, I've had some failures. Man, I've had plenty of failures, but the word of God isn't one of them. It's never failed me. There's not one single time in my life. And I can say this without Fear of being a liar. There's not one single time that I have applied the word of God to my life and stuck with it and the word failed. Now, there's been times where maybe I took some scriptures for a few weeks and then, I don't know, I did something stupid and failed and, and, and I and I gave up on it or whatever the case is. And, I, and there was failure in my life. But there has not been one single time time in my existence where I have stuck with the word of God and it has failed me. It has never happened through cancer, through through financial troubles, through church troubles, through whatever. The word of God has never failed. Sometimes I've received instant miracles and sometimes I've had to stand on the word for a season of life and fight the good fight of faith for a little while. But either way, the word has always worked every single time in my life. Heaven and earth would have to blow up before the word of God would fail. And it is not going to fail. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. 
forever. Now, it's one thing to talk about something or to preach about something. You ever know somebody that they can talk the talk, but they don't necessarily walk the walk? You know, some of you guys that have been involved in sports, you know some guys that they can talk a, a real big game, right? Then you actually get out there on the court with them, and you're like, wait, what's this guy talking about? He, he's all talk, but he, he, he's got nothing. And so it's a sad thing for a Christian to be able to talk the talk, but when push comes to shove, they don't walk the walk. And when the battle shows up, when Goliath shows up, you're like, hey, where are they? They went running. They went hiding. But listen. The word of our Lord, it stands forever. And if you are a person that, that, that has not only been speaking the word, preaching the word, talking about it, when troubles has showed up over the past year, you didn't go running. You had the word of God and you stood firm exactly where you were at. And that's why you're here today. That's why you're doing so good today. And so we've been preaching healing for years and years and years. And guess what we did in 2020 and 21? We kept preaching healing just like we always have. Yeah, but there's sick people out there. This is the time they need to be hearing about healing more than they've ever heard about it before. Well, I don't know if I'd go. We've been preaching healing for years and years and years. And I am so glad that I go to a church and I belong to a family that believes that God didn't just used to heal, but that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that he is still our healer. We've been preaching prosperity for years and years and years. Take a little bit of flack for that sometime. Well, they, you, you think that God wants to bless you with, with, with even money? Absolutely, I believe that. Now, do I believe that every Christian's going to be a multi-billionaire and have a jet and a, and a mansion? No, I don't think all that. But I know that God is a good God. He's a good Father. And Third John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Why would a good dad want his kids to be broke and poor and begging? King David said in Psalm 35, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. God is a good God. And, and I'm telling you right now, I am grateful that I've been believing that for a long time. Because when it looked like recession was going to hit and looked like the rug was going to be pulled on out, we've done nothing but prosper and be in health even as our souls prosper. We've been talking about divine protection and divine healing for years. Psalm 91, been preaching this, been believing it. Psalm 23, I've been believing that the Lord is my shepherd and that he protects me. And I can say without one bit of regret, I am so glad that we've been reading that and preaching that and teaching that and talking that for years. Because when the storms showed up, we already knew, you know what? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I'm not running anywhere. The Lord is my light and he's my salvation. And so what I'm talking about is this, a year's worth of lessons. And one thing that just got reaffirmed and reestablished more so than ever before in my heart is that God's word is true. 
Not one ounce of it will fail us. And I am so grateful for a church and for people that believe that same thing. And I, you know, again, I'm just, we're speaking from the heart today, just letting it go out there. But I believe, man, the best decision, I am so glad the best decision that we ever made was to obey God's word and to keep these doors open when they said, you know what, you got to shut this thing down. You can't do this. I am so glad that we kept it open, and that there is a place of safety and protection for people to come to in the midst of the storm. Listen, this is we need church now more than we've ever needed it before. We need the family and the people of God more than we've ever needed them before. This is not the time to shut churches down. This is the time to open churches up. And now, thank God, amen, thank God. Now, of course, the, you know, the Supreme Court ruled that you can do it legally now, so that's even that's even nicer. But at the same time, we're obeying God's word before we obey anything else. Why? Because God's word is true. Can somebody say that with me today? God's word is true. And I have seen so many testimonies of people that stuck with the word of God, and they are thriving today because of it. Thank you, Lord. All right. And so a year's worth of lessons. And I learned a lot more lessons than this, but this is just a few. All right. For the sake of time. Right. So number one, God's word is true. Number two, fear will rob you. Fear will rob you. Now, I hate fear. I despise fear because I've seen what fear can do to really good people. Now, again, not, not uh, knocking, being safe and taking safeguards and, and, and you know, being a smart, good, healthy person. I'm not, 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 not knocking that. But what I'm saying is it's one thing to, to be a little bit startled or a little bit spooked. But there's another thing the Bible talks about called a spirit of fear. And God didn't give that to you. Second Timothy 1.7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of Power, love, and a sound mind. People that have a spirit of fear, they don't have a sound mind. They're a little bit loco. You know what I mean? Come on. I'm not making fun. But listen, they're, 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 they're terrified. They're paranoid and not knocking being healthy and smart and safe. But what I'm saying is I refuse to let a spirit of fear dominate me and control me and ruin my life. And keep me awake at night. That ain't going to happen. So fear will rob you. And a spirit of fear is a powerful, powerful thing in a really bad, nasty, gnarly way. A spirit of fear is a powerful thing because it can not only make an individual live in constant fear and paranoia, but a spirit of fear can control mass groups of people as we'll look at here in a minute in the Old Testament. But when a spirit of fear gets control, it can not only control, you know, one single person, but it can bring fear to mass groups of people. And so a few facts about fear, uh, you know, as I'm just praying about this, terrible things about fear is one thing is it controls you. If you've ever been controlled by fear, that's a bad spot to be in. You can't apply for that job, stupid. What do you think? Don't even apply for it. You're not worth it. You're not smart enough. That is being controlled by a spirit of fear. You can't go over there. Are you kidding me? You can't have that. You can't do that. You can't be that. Fear controls people. 
What is another thing that fear does? It lies. Fear lies to people. And one, I've heard an acronym for fear. It's false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. Fear will make a fool out of you. It'll make a fool out of you. I, I tell this story, but it's from my brother Joe. He talks about this time that he went camping with uh, with Chuck from church. They went up to Mammoth, and they're up in the mountains, and they see this dude come running down the running down the hill as fast as he can. And then they look behind, and his wife and kids are behind him. But what's going on? And behind them is a bear. Grown man left his wife and kids running away from them because of a bear. Now, if you know much about the woods, one of the dumbest things you can do if you see a bear is to take off running. His predator instincts are going to kick in, and he's going to go after you. But come on, I mean, I don't even want to. I wouldn't want to be there for that conversation when the wife and kids got to the bottom of the hill and he was down there. That would not be a pleasant conversation at all. And whatever he, whatever happened to him, he deserved it. By all means, he deserved a butt kicking. I mean, that's, that's a fool thing to do. But fear will make you do stupid, foolish things that you ought not be doing. And so fear controls people. It, it, it makes you selfish. Now that may sound like, but, but seriously, fear will make you a selfish person. It'll make you do things like clear off all the store shelves and not leave anything for anybody else. It'll, it'll make you do fool things like where you only care about, well, I gotta get mine and I don't get, hey, every man for himself, you're on your own, pal. I don't know what to do. And, and fear will make people selfish. Fear can kill you. Fear can kill things in your life that at one point were good. And eventually, another fun fact about fear is fear eventually becomes sin. Well, that's not nice to say because it's not my fault. Fear can eventually come to such a place in your life where it is a sin. And I'm going to show you that here in a minute. But let's look at probably the best story regarding this in in the Bible. Let's look at Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. Amen. Who refuses to be controlled by fear? Numbers 13. We're going to look at verses 27 through 28. Numbers 13, verses 27 through 28. But what are we doing? We're just kind of uh, looking at, at a year's worth of lessons. And again, we learned a whole lot more lessons over the past year. But here's a few that really stick out. So Numbers, chapter 13. And what we have here, uh, if you're familiar with this story, uh, is Moses sends 12 spies to spy out the promised land, right? They, they've, they've made it out of Egypt and they actually, believe it or not, they get to, uh, they get to Canaan land. They get there and it's not, not a super long amount of time. People say, well, it took them 40 years. Well, it did eventually, but at first it didn't take that long. They got there and Moses sends in 12 spies. Why 12? Well, he sent one in for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so he sends in 12 spies, like, guys, go check it out. See what it's going to take. But this is the land that God promised us. And you better know today that God has a promised land for your life. Go scout it out, man. Uh, Just talk to the Lord. See what that promised land is. And so, Numbers 13, 
We're going to look at verses 27 and 28. And so Moses sends the guys in, and, and they come back with this report. Verse 27, this was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. And so they get in there, and and in fact, if you read earlier in the chapter, this land was so beautiful, so bountiful, they had grapes, clusters of grapes so big, it took two grown men to carry one cluster on a pole. I mean... Massive amounts of food, good ground for farming. There was already homes set up. All they had to do was go in and kick the bad guys out and take over. It was a wonderful setup. And so these guys come back and say, yeah, it's just like God promised. A beautiful land flowing with milk and honey. But there's one problem here. The people that live there are powerful. There's giants. Everybody. It's a bad, bad situation. And sometimes you get a little glimpse of what God has for you and you're like, it is so beautiful. This is a beautiful dream, a beautiful family, a beautiful future. You get a glimpse of it and then you say, oh, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. But uh, I don't know if that's ever going to happen because of this. And because of that, and, and this over here happened. And when you do that, you're letting fear take over and you are elevating fear above the word of God. God said, you can have this. Fear says, no, you can't. And you actually begin to elevate and believe the fear more than you believe the word of God. Don't look at me with that tone of voice. I know you've done it. Because I've done it. We've all been in that spot. And so they're saying, this is beautiful, but it is not ever going to happen. Look at verse 30. And so there was ten guys that said, it's bad. Oh, it it ain't ever going to happen. Then two guys out of the twelve, Joshua and Caleb, they had a totally different report. And isn't it interesting how two Christians can be presented the exact same set of circumstances, and one guy says, oh, no, oh, no, and the other guy says, oh, yeah, this is what I dreamed of. This is beautiful. Why is that? Because one guy refuses to let fear control him. So look at verse 30. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We cannot go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. What a bunch of losers. Think about this. Fear is such a liar that these guys are like, hey, we know what they were thinking. Nobody even said anything to them. And sometimes you let fear control your life. Hey, he didn't say it, but I know what he was thinking. She didn't even have to say it, but I know what she was thinking over there. What a lie. You don't even know. And so these ten guys right here, without the help of CNN, without the help of Twitter, without the help of the Internet, they spread a spirit of fear amidst several million people overnight. Wow. 
And we think that, well, the reason there's, you know, fear and negativity is able to spread so much these days is because of TV and the Internet. A spirit of fear doesn't even need that stuff to do its job and to control mass amounts of people, let alone one person. But these guys, these ten guys, spread fear and anxiety and stress throughout millions of people overnight without any internet and without any TV. And so look at chapter 14, verse 1, right here. Chapter 14, verse 1, the very next verse. So these guys spread their report. Oh, it's beautiful, but we're not ever going in. Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Think about that. The entire community, the grown men, the women, the children, the babies, everybody wept aloud and sobbed all night long. What a terror. These are the same people that saw God part the Red Sea. The same people that saw God send ten plagues against Egypt. The same people that had seen miracle after miracle after miracle. And that they come up against this and they're like, we ain't ever getting in. This is awful. And look at your life. Look at the things that God's done in your life. You survived 2020, if nothing else, because you're sitting here. But think about the things that God has brought you through. And on top of that, there are things that God protected you from that you'll never even know about until you get to heaven. There's times there was a drunk driver out there that was going to hit you, but God took you a different route. There's times that somebody was going to come and do something bad at the store you were in, but God sent you to the other store. There are things that the devil planned to bring against you that God protected you from that you'll never know about until you get to heaven someday. So don't you ever say, well, I mean, I hear these stories, but God never did anything. I never seen anything like that. Thank God you haven't. That means God's really super protected you. But God has had his hand all over your life, and that's the reason you're here today. So don't sit there and cry, well, I'm never going to get into the promised land. Not with that attitude, you're not. If you will act like point number one, God's word is true, you're going to get in there. But you're going to have to do it God's way. And so look down here, chapter 14, verse 11, because this whole fear thing started to really tick God off. Well, I don't believe God can get angry. Hey, God can get angry. Now, he's rich in love and he's slow to anger. Anger isn't his first go-to thing, but he can eventually be pushed there. And so... We read right here that this whole fear, imagine, man, you've done stuff for your kids their whole lives. You've provided for them. You've protected them. You've given, given, given. You've been nothing but good to your kids. And then they have the audacity to doubt your goodness. That would kind of, I don't know, wouldn't it? I mean, come on, that that'd rub you the wrong way a little bit. And like, I don't really know if you're a good dad. I don't really... How can you say that? I've kept a roof over your head. I've fed you. I've, I've taken care of you all these years. And now you're going to doubt my goodness and my love for you? That would kind of rub you the wrong way just a little bit. And here we see God's kind of a little bit upset. In fact, he's really upset. And so chapter 14, verse 11, And the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me? Wouldn't it be sad if God had to say that about your life? Will she ever believe me? Will she ever just trust me after all the things I've done for her? And so God says, will they never believe me? Even after all the miraculous signs I have done among them, 
Here it is. I will disown them and destroy them with a plague. And then I will make you, Moses, into a nation greater and mightier than they are. Wow. That's pretty angry. (laughs) That's a pretty upset state of affairs right there where God, I can't stand any of them. I'm going to, you know what? I've just got a few good people that I even like now. Moses, Joshua, Caleb. I'll save you guys and make a nation out of you guys. But everybody else, I can't stand them anymore. Woo! Come on, somebody. That is a bad spot to be in right there. But if you keep reading, Moses intercedes. Moses pleads. Moses intercedes. He begs. God, just give him another chance. And so thank God for intercessors. What does an intercessor do? They stand in the gap on somebody else's behalf. They Pray and they stand in the gap for you. And thank God that's what Moses did right here. So look at verse 20. Then the Lord said, okay, I will pardon them as you've requested, Moses. But as surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people will ever enter that land. They have seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I performed both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, they tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. Dear God, don't ever let that be you. Verse 23, they will never even see the land I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it. And that's exactly what happened God sent them back out. You can look at a map and and see what they did. They were right there. They were right there at the doorway to the promised land. God said, out you go. You guys, you're going to wander in the wilderness until every one of these fearful people have died off. Every one of them and a whole new generation had to rise up and take the promised land because those guys couldn't. So they go out there and they're walking in circles out in the middle of the desert for 40 years until every one of those adults died off and the new generation rose up. But look at this. So so let's, let's just put it this way. Lessons we've learned. Is it a sin to get startled or be, or be a little bit afraid? No, that's not a sin. But it is a sin to let fear control your life. Well, why is it a sin? Well, God said here that it's a contempt for him. And what it is, is it's elevating the word of fear over the word of God. And I refuse to elevate anybody's word over the word of God, especially the word of fear. Can I get an amen today? I I think that's a worthwhile point right there. And so fear It seeks to rob you. It seeks to destroy your life and to separate you from what you need to be connected to. And the third thing I'm going to say is this. We're talking about a year's worth of lessons. We could probably list 25 more. But the third thing is this, that I, that I've, that I have reaffirmed and reestablished and, and know more than I've ever known before. Number three, Jesus is coming soon. Who knows that? I mean, we know that. And we're not just saying that. And some people would say, yeah, we've been hearing that our whole lives. Peter warned against you saying something so stupid as that. You know, Peter said that in the end time, there's going to be scoffers. And people are going to say, okay, you all have been saying this Jesus is coming back your whole lives. Where is he? Where is he? And people are going to mock you for it. Peter said, don't do that. 
you ought to be glad he hasn't come back. He's he's not he's not being lazy. He's not he, he's not just uh, slacking on the job. He's holding off for your sake because he wants to give everybody as much time as he can to get right with God. But there does come a point in time when the door to the ark closes and then the flood comes and only those on the ark survive. Well, I came to hear the good news today. Man, that's the good news if you're a Christian. (laughs) And so, Jesus is coming soon. We started a Wednesday night series on March 25th of last year that went for nine weeks. It's still on YouTube and Facebook if you want to go listen to it. But it was incredible each week to look at all of these events unfolding as, I mean, just as we read them. And and there's an incredible amount of end-time signs and prophecies that have been fulfilled in the last 12 months. Plagues of locusts. Huh? Yeah. Fire. Fire. I mean, just all these things the Bible talked about, and more so than just the things we could see right here where we're at, but nonstop Prophecy being fulfilled. Look at this with me. Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. Who's learned a lot over the last while? All right. Luke chapter 21. And I'm going to look at verses 26 through 28. Luke chapter 21, verses 26 through 28. Now, Luke 21 is a parallel passage to Matthew 24. And so it tells a lot of the same stuff that Matthew 24 does. But Luke chapter 21, and I'm going to go to verses 26 through 28, because I think this really hits close to home. And, I mean, we we could just read Luke 21 and Matthew 24 all day long. But Luke 21, and we're going to look here at verses 26 through 28. And this is what Jesus said regarding the end times. He said, people will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Think about that. He said one massive sign at the end of it all is people will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And we've just seen the beginning of things. There's a whole lot more to come. And I'm just going to say that right now. But people will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Look at verse 27. Then everyone, it's going to happen, Mark my words, then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up, for your salvation is near. When you begin to see these things happen, you better start looking for it. You better be ready because your salvation draws nigh, as the King James says. Your salvation is near. Jesus is coming back really, really soon. Do we know the day? Do we know the hour? No, not at all. In fact, Jesus said, not even the Son himself. Jesus doesn't even know the day and the hour he's coming back. Only God the Father knows. And people are like, well, why why wouldn't he tell Jesus? Well, I heard Kenneth Copeland put it this way. Man, Jesus reveals everything that the Father tells him to us. Jesus said that himself. He's like, hey, what the Father tells me, I tell you. Man, if God told Jesus the Son, he'd probably tell us, all right? Come on. So, listen, it's coming, and it's coming soon, and I am more sure of that than I've ever been sure before, but we have to be ready. 
Now, one reason I believe that God's blessed us so much over the past year, one reason that we've been blessed with so many new people is that people are realizing that Jesus is coming soon. I mean, you don't have to be, you know, a theologian or, a, you know, or a, a great scholar of biblical things and eschatology and all this stuff to be able to look around and say, man, something's going on, right? It's starting to rain out there. There's a flood coming. You don't have to be a genius to come inside and get out of the rain. You just have to have common sense, basically, and realize, man, something's going on. And I love that we have seen that time and time again where people are like, you know what? I need to be right with God. I need to be right with God. Because if this is just the beginning and something else is happening next, we need to be right with God. Now, I was thinking about this this week because I'm a very deep thinker. Don't ask my wife that, but, you know, but I think I'm. So, anyway, I was thinking, man, you know, one thing that I, you know, that I've just... I don't know, kind of realized or, uh, or looked at over, over the years of different things happening is when the end times stuff starts to get crazy, you know, you, you see people like, oh man, oh, I better run to God. Then things calm down a little bit and they start to let go. Then things get crazy again. Then they come running to God. Then it kind of calms down a little bit and they start letting go. And I can't think things are kind of, in my, I don't know, my view, starting to calm down a little bit right now. We're starting to see numbers go the right way and things kind of, and, 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 and I'm warning you just because it looks like, well, the COVID may be calming down a little bit and this is going on. There ain't been any riots this week and this going on. I'm just going to listen and mark my words. Don't let go of God now. Imagine you're out there at the beach and you're swimming and, and, and the waves got big for a minute and, oh wait, the last few haven't been that big. Listen, the, the next one coming in may be the biggest one yet. I don't know, but I don't want to take the chance. And so I challenge you, I warn you, I plead with you, I do everything I can to get people's attention just because, okay, we made it through that one, things are getting a little more comfortable. Well, you know what? I promised God if he'd do this, then I would do this. Whatever the case is, listen to me now. Don't let go now. Don't let go. Because according to scripture, there's a whole lot crazier stuff coming down the pike. Well, don't say that. I came to hear the good. I'm just telling you, man. I'm just telling you. There's some crazy stuff that's going to come ahead. Now, if you're in the ark, if you're close to God, if you're close to Jesus, hey, you're good. You're good. He will protect you. His angels will surround and protect you everywhere you go. God's got you if you're going to stay under the shadow of the Almighty. But this would be literally, and I say this and I mean it, this is literally the worst time ever to start letting go of Jesus and to start relaxing with your faith and to start thinking, oh, we're good, we're good, I'm just going to calm down, I'm just going to chill out a little bit, I'm just going to back off a little bit. This is the absolute worst time that you could ever do that. Because Jesus talked about, man, if the thing's coming, I was just reading this yesterday, if the things are coming didn't get shortened just a little bit for the sake of the elect, Jesus said, hey, nobody would survive. And so, again, I'm not, not preaching fear and doom and gloom, but I am preaching urgency. You've made the step today. I know everybody in this room. You have made the decision. You know what? I'm going to start taking 
my faith serious. I'm going to start taking Jesus and church and the things of God serious. You've made that choice, and that's why you're here today. But I'm telling you right now, don't even give one inch to the devil now. Because he will come in and absolutely mow your family down. And won't think twice about it. Don't give that guy an inch. Stand your ground. Stand firm in your faith. Stand firm. You made a stand. You said, you know what? I'm sticking with the word of God. I'm sticking with the house of God. I'm sticking with the people of God. I trust this over anything else in this world. You've made that decision. Stick to your guns and don't give the devil one single inch. Because very soon you will hear a trumpet. You will see the skies part. You will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with great glory. And he will be calling your name to take you to your real home. This whole thing that we're in right now, this is temporary. This is a rental. I'm going to the real place in the sky to my mansion with streets of gold. And that's not the best part. The best part is I will see Jesus Christ face to face. I will bow down at the throne of God and worship with all the saints and the elders. We will be there and it's not going to end. It'll be forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Don't let go now. Don't let go. Hang on to Jesus. And he will hang on to you. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But you've got to be able to make the same promise to him. I've noticed a lot of people, they love it when Jesus makes promises to them and keep it. But they don't like to make so many promises to him and keep it. I'm saying right now. Jesus, you said that you would be with me always, even to the end of the world, Matthew 28. I'm saying the same thing to Jesus. I will be with you always, Jesus, even to the end of the world. And then guess what? I'll still be with you because I'll be in heaven with you. And I will see you face to face. Look at verse 36, Luke 21, verse 36. This is my last verse. Luke 21, verse 36. Jesus said this, keep alert at all times. And pray that you might be strong enough to escape the coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. Keep alert at all times. And so I'm telling you today to keep alert. Don't look back. Don't let go. And he will not let go of you. Can somebody say amen today? Amen. God's good. Can we give the Lord some praise together? Let's go ahead and stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.